Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 242. Hey, my riches, I'm Hayut. And my guest today is Brian Roland, who said, As an entrepreneur, wherever you are, you're looking for gaps and thinking, How can I fill that gap? How can I bridge that gap? Brian Roland is a social entrepreneur and founder of Abenity, the Six Inc. 5000 company that's powering corporate perks for top brands including U.S. Bank and MasterCard. And while Abenity provides millions of subscribers with private discounts, the company's social mission is fighting extreme poverty with every program they deliver. Abenity recently exceeded a million dollars of total giving and hired a CEO to accelerate growth with their fully remote team. Brian lives in Scottsdale with his wife and three daughters and is investing his time in efforts that help like-minded entrepreneurs establish a social mission of their own. Let's listen to Brian's incredible story. Brian Roland, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show. It's so great that you are here. And I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Well, thank you. That's a that's a great, fun question. Uh, well, my name is Brian Roland. I'm out in Arizona in the USA, and I'm a social entrepreneur. So in 2006, my brother and I built a, a SaaS company, uh, software as a service that helps um, large corporations offer employee perks and benefits to their people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've negotiated discounts on everything from pizza and the zoo to movie tickets, oil changes, car rentals, hotels. We put it all in one spot for our clients, and we brand it to look like the company, and then the uh, employees have show-and-save coupons all all over the United States and travel offers across the world where they can enjoy special corporate perks. And when we founded our business, we we really wanted to stand for something outside of our industry. So we built our business with a social mission okay. and, uh, so that there was an output to our cause for every input into the business. And that is really what gives me the most uh, passion and, and joy and, and um, mission at this point in my career. We're 13 years into it. I was able to hire a CEO and a president and COO to run the business a couple of years ago. So I'm squarely in a founder role and, and looking forward to uh, many more exciting, exciting years for Abenity. Sounds terrific, and uh, you call yourself a social entrepreneur. 
Yeah, so uh, let's see. Social entrepreneurship really formed as a, a more focused um, movement out of kind of corporate social responsibility. So in the 80s, corporate social responsibility was a form of social entrepreneurship. But like many good things, it gets so process-driven that it just becomes a checkbox that you do to mm -hmm. assure your investors that you're a safe bet and that nobody's going to um, look at you as, as doing something too capitalistic where you're just in it for the money. Mm -hmm. And so, so uh, corporate social responsibility is this big phrase for Yes, we also help our community. Uh, social entrepreneurism uh, really started forming in the early 2000s. Uh, I think Blake Mikoski is probably the, the most well-known for his Tom's Shoes, Buy a Pair, Give a Pair mm, right. move, movement that he started. He started that the same year that we kind of decided to do the same thing. And today, universities across the world have uh, social entrepreneurship degrees and and ways to say, hey, um, here's why you should build a business for a cause instead of just start a nonprofit or check the traditional corporate social responsibility boxes. I love that. Tell me a bit about your career path. How did you start? How did you get to entrepreneurship? Yeah, I, I think I've had the entrepreneurial bug my whole life uh, as a as a third grader. I hmm. was um, making laminated folders because my folders would tear apart. So I laminated <laughs> them and, and then uh, they'd hold up. And I remember, you know, there was a, a project where I was, I was selling those and then I, you know, personalize your folders by having your picture laminated inside or, you know, pick any folder you want. We can laminate anything kind of deal. So as a 10 year old, uh, that was, <laughs> that was what I was doing. And, you know, that shaped into um, music for me. And I started playing the trumpet when I was young, which I think uh, is a very entrepreneurial endeavor. Uh, it's, and hmm. teaches, it teaches you to be kind of the entrepreneurial solo artist where you're kind of running the show and everybody's looking at you. It teaches you to be a team player where you're sitting in the symphony and, and blending in so that nobody notices your contribution, but they hear they see everything as a whole. And that led to teaching trumpet lessons, which led to making a CD and moving to Nashville to go to school, which mm -hmm. led me to selling cell phones, kind of having the aha moment that uh, the music industry is actually not that entrepreneurial. It's pretty mm -hmm. corporate. Um, it's very, it's based more on um, relationships than, um, it's based more on what you can do for somebody else than on what you can get done and uh, which is not very entrepreneurial lots of politics involved and from there I took a job selling cell phones where it was very much you know go out there and uh, outside sales figure out how to make your paycheck and it was in that role that I discovered this gap where companies uh, would love to offer perks and benefits to their people uh, but they had a hard time, one, finding the perks to offer, uh, vetting the perks to make sure they were good, and then having a platform to communicate them uh, to their people. And as technology increases, the ways of communication get more complex to make them more simple. 
And um, that's how we built Abenity and uh, doing that to this day, we've probably built five or six businesses inside of Abenity uh, that, so, uh, you know, really, um, this is what led me two years ago to realize the business grew to a certain level of maturity where the number of businesses that I could launch within Abenity kind of reached its peak uh, for mm-hmm. what the team what the team could accomplish in a healthy way. We bootstrapped the whole way. We didn't take outside funding, so wow. we weren't a- we weren't able to scale outside of our our cell. We weren't we weren't able to build infrastructure faster than we could build customers. Um, so that limited what we could do. Um, in some ways, it accelerates what we can do as well because we're hmm. we're focused very strategically on what matters most, and we take very careful bets. But there was this moment where it was like, you know, we're, um, our business doesn't need an entrepreneur anymore. It needs people to help execute and set standards and focus on growth. And, and those are just areas that fell outside of where my passion areas were. And so it was time to put the right people in place to take the business to the next level. And, and that's what we did. So today I'm kind of our chief evangelist for the brand, which allows me to be available here uh, talking to you. And hmm. it's been a lot of fun. It is. You're an entrepreneur and I want to ask you what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that listening to us right now regarding customer focus or anything that has to do with customers or any other advice if you wish. Yeah. I, I think... One of the the most relevant way to approach that is that as an entrepreneur, um, you're really you're really in a testing experimental process all the time, um, which means you have to be really sensitive to what is and isn't working, and uh, which means you have to be really present to what people's needs are, and part of the discovery process of becoming an entrepreneur is looking for gaps uh, that are out there and and thinking about how how can I fill that gap? How can I bridge that gap? And so wherever you are as you're going through your your day, be looking for gaps. Uh, that's the makings of entrepreneurship. And when you see a gap, how, how do you fill it? I think about how to fill it and if you're equipped to fill it. And, and that's really step one for entrepreneurship. From there, it's being willing to take the risk and take that first step to go for it. And you have to realize that um, everyone else around you is going to be missing probably 80% of, of your point of view. Mm. And so they're going to come at you with practicality, which will feel like negativity. Um, I, I always say the, the how is that conflict with the wow. So when you start to tell other people about your idea, you're going to be coming at it from this wow. And hmm. you're going to expect a wow reflection. Wow, that's so great. Wow, how do you think of that? Wow, you're so right. Most likely, you might get that from a few people. Those people are really good ones to keep around. Most of the people in your life who care about you will show their care by, by reflecting concern um, as how, well, how do you plan to do that? Well, what about this? Well, there's this out there that does this. And 
And that's going to be very demotivating. And so just see it for what it is. Um, take, you know, people say, take it with a grain of salt, like listen, pay attention. There's wisdom in those comments, but, but don't let them stop you from moving forward and continue to take those cautious steps. I, I think that's the biggest advice for entrepreneurs and what keeps so many people from even, you know, giving it a shot is because they're just confronted with so much how early on in the process that number one, it, it scares them and it makes them feel like if they fail, everybody around them is going to say, I told you so. Hmm. And you, you have to be willing to take those risks. Do you have an example? Well, I, I feel like I have, uh, I feel like it happens so often being kind of an ideator and an idea guy that you, you get pushed, you get pushed back all, all the time on many, many ideas. Maybe, uh, you know, we had an opportunity as a family to come to Arizona to start a nonprofit that is doing dolphin assisted therapy, uh, which was an amazing opportunity. The, we, we were able to do that here for a year and a half. My wife's backgrounds, um, in doing, working with, uh, dolphin assisted therapy. And so, um, yeah, when we, when we initially said, Hey, I mean, everybody knows my wife's backgrounds in dolphin assisted therapy. She's, she worked with programs down in the Florida Keys and, and when we were in Nashville, it was something that we were always interested in finding a fit for. And we found a facility in Scottsdale that was willing to uh, take us and allow us to start a program. And, and so when, um, you know, when we, when we're telling our friends and family, it's like, you know, we just have to do this. We have to move. This is, a huge, this is maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, you know, we were not presented with a lot of wow. We were presented <laughs> with a lot of how, well, gosh, you have three daughters and you're, it's your oldest daughters adopted from Ukraine. And is it really wise to move her again when she just joined your family four years ago and she's sensitive to being moved around and, Um, is, uh, is that going to be good for your little girls? Your, you know, the South is, um, a different culture than the West. Are you ready to go from the Southern uh, culture in the U S to West, you know, kind of more West coast culture where it's just different. And, and then it's like, well, gosh, you know, do people want to swim with dolphins when they're not on vacation? And <laughs> um, can everyday parents just afford that? And, uh, you know, when they're, it's not a destination trip, it's made more in a major city. And so the hows just piled on top of our wow moment. And you just kind of have to press through knowing um, and that you're, um, able to do that. And then, you know, this is uh, a lot of times for people that are more faith driven, like this is where f- faith plays a big role. And if something's been a big part of your life and you're like, I just know this is what we're supposed to do, then, um, you, you know, you, you press, you press forward and you use logic and reason uh, to inform that faith, but then you still take that leap of faith. Hmm. I love this story. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful example.
I'm sure you've got many successes. We already heard about some and we will hear about others in a minute. But I want to ask you what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? There's been more than a few. Um, you know, a lot of failure just looks like trial and error. It's uh, an iterative process that's like, wow, okay, we've spent a lot of time and money trying that, and it didn't really work out as well as we thought. And so it kind of hits the failure category, but we learned so much mm. through the process that it's hard to see it as a failure. I think it's a beautiful answer to that. It's not the first time, but it's a beautiful answer. <laughs> well, thank you. Because I think many entrepreneurs should listen to that and understand that there are so many pros and cons and things that are working and things that aren't working. And if you see everything as a failure and not as a you know part of the journey, you might lose. To prevent, to limit failures, we as, and this is from kind of a software development point of view, and so we're, we're always inventing um, within our software. We're always trying to make things better. But it's very expensive to, um, to take a bet on what you're going to invest in next with the software team. And so we started uh, hedging our bets in the last year and a half by creating what, we, what we've kind of um, – what we call the betting table, mm -hmm. which is coined after uh, the, a book I read that originated from the 37 Signals folks. Um, and, and the betting table is, is we, we, we broke our development cycles into um, two sets of sprints that are each three weeks long, and a sprint is a focused period of work. And it's really what, what can we fully accomplish within this three-week period um, or this greater six-week period. And as a, as a team, uh, we basically take, place bets on what's most important to us and what we think is most important for the company. And collaboratively, uh, the, the, what everybody places the most bets on is what we move forward with. And that allows us to keep a holistic point of view Uh, and make sure that kind of wisdom from all areas of the business is is playing in so it's not just my entrepreneurial whim mm -hmm. at the moment that's driving the next initiative and uh, that's been that's been a very productive way for us to kind of hedge hedge our bets and that's something you mature into as as you build a team that's got a lot of knowledge in in your space and um, and internal understanding of of what the needs are of the, of the company. Fantastic. Now, please tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. I think the, the best answer there kind of reflects back to the beginning of this podcast where you asked us, um, you know, about our business and how we got started. And I mentioned I started the business with, with a social mission. Yeah. Um, for, for me, I started the business for a social mission because I, just with five years 
in the professional world, I had realized that no matter how successful you are in work, you hit a point where it's, you know, making more money just doesn't hit the box of mean, of being meaningful. Hmm. Um, money is a tool that helps you accomplish your goals and it helps you, it fuels your mission. Um, but it's, it's not nourishing. It's not enriching. It, it doesn't, it doesn't make you healthy. Hmm. And so, um, money in itself, if you're looking for money as your nourishment, you're never going to find, uh, that it's enriching. It's, it's just, it's never going to be enough. And so you don't, you don't get full from money. And I had learned that early on in my career. And so when I started Abenity, I wanted the why for the work to be outside of our brand because I knew the brand would let us down. I, I knew at some point a hard situation would happen. And if, if my meaning and my identity was inside the brand and, uh, you know, actually two weeks into me going full time, we were told, uh, we received a cease and desist that said, Hey, you have to change your brand name, oh. uh, because it violates this, this trademark over here. And so I was like, Oh man, I'm glad I didn't have my identity in our brand name because we had to change that. Yeah. The legal battle and, and fight for it. And so I, I didn't want it to be in our products and services because those are the things you pivot all the time. I mean, you're always pivoting what you do to meet the needs of your customers. And so, and I didn't want it to be in our industry uh, because, it, you know, it needed to be about more than that. And so when, when I was, um, so Mark and I focused our social mission um, as our meaning or why. It's like for every dollar that comes into the business, we want to know that a dollar is coming going out of the business towards a cause that is bigger than ourselves and is worth fighting for. And, and the biggest uh, thing that came to mind was extreme poverty. And there's, there's still today, um, pre COVID there's about 500 million people living in extreme poverty. About 250 million people were thrown back into extreme poverty over the last two years. Hmm. Uh, it's the United Nations number one, goal is to eradicate extreme poverty by the year 2030. Uh, recently talking to some experts, they think it's maybe 2040 now, but in our lifetime, um, we can eradicate extreme poverty. And extreme poverty are the folks whose kids don't go to school because they're out um, getting water for the family. Mm. And they, they it's, a fi it's a five mile hike to water. And the water they bring back um, for the day or two is is uh, is is dirty water and the water ultimately is what makes them sick and they get a little sick from the water which causes them to get more dehydrated and they don't have health care um, and they're um, because everybody's kind of held down by these basic needs that are that are not already met for their communities um, entrepreneurism is held back and so we're very focused um, on supporting extreme poverty, uh, helping eradicate this uh, by the year 2030 um, or shortly after at this point. A and to date, since we started that mission, we've been able to give over $1.2 million towards these efforts wow. through a group called World, World Vision. Uh, we're, we're sponsoring 250 kids monthly. Um, I got an awesome message from uh, the 
the community that we're supporting directly from the community leaders in Senegal, Africa, where we support them. And, and it was a thank you from the kids, from the community directors saying, hey, look, World Vision has been in our community for the last 20 years. They have provided us with clean water. We have, we have wells on property now. We have schools built. We have health care facilities built. We have microfinance loans that have fueled our local our entrepreneurs to start and sustain their own businesses so that World Vision is not needed here anymore. We are lifted out of extreme poverty and World Vision is moving on to the next community, which means uh, those kids were saying goodbye to us that we'd sponsored for the last 10 years wow. and uh, because they didn't need us anymore. And that was just a really cool full circle moment for us. And I don't think there's anything greater that, that we've done at Abenity than, than that. And it's, and it's thanks to the support of our customers and the focus on, on that, that social mission. Hmm. Wow. What a story. It's amazing. Brian, can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer-focused marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and might help other entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, it's going to be a, a strange answer. For, for me, the, most, the best tool for meeting the needs of your customers and communicating with your customers um, what you do is a tool that tells your story. It allows you to tell your story. It's, it's when your customer understands your story and connects with your story and understands why you're doing what you're doing and that uh, the, the reason that you're in business is there to meet their needs and then uh, address a greater need at the same time, uh, then that is really where that customer bond happens that's very authentic, that builds a really long-term customer. And for me, that tool is uh, Google Slides. Hmm. It's a simple web-based PowerPoint presentation that allows us in to give a short but meaningful Sales presentation, that's it's what I've used to put together our impact reports. Um, it's what I've used to put together our perks reports. And it all starts with Google Slides, which just makes it really easy for a non-technical, non-graphic designer um, entrepreneur to put down their story in a way that uh, communicates a powerful message to the customer. Wow. So Google Slides. The first time somebody is uh, recommending Google Slides, good for you. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? It's a great question. I believe the biggest success factor is uh, just showing up. It's uh, being willing to take small chances, um, go out on a limb a little bit, um, you know, trust that the limb will bend but won't break, knowing that you're not so far off the ground that if it does break that you're going to be in very bad shape. And 
just having a healthy perspective uh, as you go out and take some simple risks that allow you to take a step forward because many people just don't show up. Uh, And the the people that do show up, uh, they also don't kind of go for it. They don't take that next step to just go for it. And they, they let many things hold them back. And so my best advice for people out there, just show up, show up at work, see what you see, pay attention to what's going on. This is how great entrepreneurs are formed is they, they see something that uh, connects dots for them. They're like, we should solve that. We should fix that. And then when you're, when you're in that and you're like, okay, I see the problem. I see what we need to go after. Well then take, take those steps, those risk steps. Um, I also have, we've done everything we've done without outside funding. We've not needed any, and we've always been able to self fund from our own success. And that's because if we built something that somebody really needs, they pay for it. And when they pay for it, we can reinvest the money Mm. and do more with it. And, and so when you're taking other people's money, you're not really operating fully in the real world with what will connect to customers. And, and that just prolongs the amount of time it takes for you to be successful while at the same time, um, because you have a security blanket under you that makes it, you know, you don't take the right risks because you're like, yeah, we've got so much money. We can, we can do it this way. We don't have to bet our own money. And so when you're betting your own money, you think very differently. Sure. And, um, and then when you're leveraging other people's money, you have way less control. I, I don't think there's a single investor out there that I could have said, hey, I want to build um, I want to build a business off of your money and then give over a million dollars of the profits away. Uh, it's mm-hmm. as a, you know, p- paying you back slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, investors are going to look at that like that's not how this works. And that's been the most meaningful opportunity that we've had in our business and what's made it very worthwhile through all the ups and downs. And so I think these are all good things to consider as you're thinking through that. So hmm. my final question, before I'll ask you what is the best way to connect with you, my final question is my mountain question. And as my listeners already know, I've been imagining this journey of entrepreneurship as climbing a mountain. You know, step after step after step, and then when you reach the peak, usually you're looking to climb a higher peak, and sometimes you need to go down in order to reach the peak. And at some point, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you, whether you ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? Yeah, that's a that's a fun question. Um, well, I don't. Um, I love visiting the mountains. I love the opportunity um, to feel small. It's a great reminder of how small we all are um how big everything is how how mind-blowing creation is um you you know how everything doesn't just sit into a simple formula or a box it's complex and from a entrepreneurial standpoint um there's been so many peak moments where um we got the customer that we were hoping to win that we registered our, you know, 
new millionth member uh, to be a part of our program and um, that we made the Inc. 5000 list for the sixth time in a row. Uh, there's been so many fun mountaintop moments. Um, we hired the employee we never thought we'd be able to hire um, that um, we're celebrating on top of that peak and we're kind of doing that slow turn. And then after we've almost gone all the way around, we find out that it's uh, we're not all the way up the mountain yet and that there's more to climb. Um, and, and like you said, you don't just jump to, you don't just keep going up from that peak. You've got to go down to go back up to keep going. And so you, you put in the work and you, you do it again. And, and, um, I'm not sure as an entrepreneur that those peaks ever, that, that you ever reach the top. There is no, <laughs> there, there is no summit moment, um, until maybe you're exiting your business and, um, uh, handing off the baton and it's your own personal summit, but the business continues to, to climb the mountain. And, mm. and that's, uh, that's a, it, it's just a humbling experience to be an entrepreneur because there's just new levels that are unlocked at every stage. Wow. Ryan, what is the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thank you very much for having me. Uh, over the last few years, I've really been debriefing some of these um, peak moments that have gotten us to where we are today. And I've been writing about them on my brianroland.com website. Uh, I've, I've kind of written about picking a, a multi-million dollar brand name, uh, uh, starting a social mission of your own, and really leaning into we've, we've built the whole thing without outside funding and with a fully remote team. So I've written a lot about remote work. And so you can find all of that at brianroland.com. Uh, additionally, I'd, I'd love to connect with uh, your listeners by text message. I can deliver, I've got two kind of resources for them. If they're looking for a simple list, a one page list of rules of engagement for uh, building a healthy remote team, um, then they can text this keyword um, to receive that back. If they're looking to build a social mission of their own, I've built a one-page impact plan where it's just a blank page they can fill out with their own information to create a social mission of their own. And so if, if, they're, if they'll text plus one for the USA and then 615-802-6853, Text the word rules for my rules of engagement for remote teams. Text the word impact for my impact plan. And uh, if you're interested in Abenity and corporate perks or offering a discount um, to our millions of members, then check out Abenity.com and you can save $150 off your sign up with, uh, we got a custom code just for your show, reach 150. So use the code reach 150 to save $150 off your perks program for your own employees hmm. thank you so much we will have all these links in the show notes of this interview brian i would like to thank you so much for this interview and for talking with you it has been really fascinating and it's so good to listen to what you are telling thank you very much i really enjoyed my time with you as well hmm. thank you and take care thank you bye-bye bye-bye bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. 
And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.